that happen. Okay. Good evening. Tonight we're learning Masachas Yuma Daf Yud Dalit, and we are starting ten lines or so from the bottom uh, on Yud Gimel Amid Beis. Yesterday we spent quite a while trying to figure out how our Mishnah on Daf Beis managed to work out that the Kohen would have the second wife be halachically married to him, and at the same time to only do the avoda with one wife, with these retroactive double get that was put into place, one for one wife, one for the other. And we had concluded that uh, he would give a different tonight for each of them, and the Gemara concluded that way. Fine. So says the Gemara, hold on, we have two questions on this sugya, which will then bring us to the Mishnah. Question number one, number one, 10 lines from the bottom, the Gemara asks, if what you're saying is true, that we look at our sugya and we say, so in the singular, that we're only referring to one wife, then let's say that a man is married to two different women, and unfortunately he passes away. So his brother, does he have a din of Yibam on two wives? So we learned in our sugya that you can't do the avoda with two wives. So maybe by Yibam, we should say the same thing. So what does you, it, what you his the no, we're, we're looking at the word v'ado v'ad beso. He said that by the Kohen Gadol, it's just that you can only have one wife during the avoda. Because we looked at the word single. The word yeah. beso is a singular. But the word in the Pasuk is yuvim to, singular. So we're asking the same question. Would we say that a man who has two wives would he be chayv and yibum or pater? He should be pater from yibum because it's two wives and not one. Says the Gemara, that's not correct. Yivimto, yivimto riba. In Svara, you're right, but we have a double drasha of the word yivimto. It's quoted twice. And therefore, even if his brother who passed away had two wives, he would still have a mitzvah of yibum. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's riba, riba. Yeah, it's uh, yivimto, yivimto. That's correct. It's a raya that we make that duke of Yuvimto, of Beso in the singular. Correct. It supports what we did. That's right. So then the Gemara asks another question going all the way back to the beginning of yesterday's sugya. The Gemara says, first of the uh, longest lines on Yud Gimel Amid Beis, Maskev Laravinavi Temeravya Elamehata. It's double like a sledgehammer that he's tired, you know. I love it. If this is true, Arusa Lotis What did we say yesterday? We said in the beginning of the Gemara that if there's an Arusa, there's a woman who's only engaged, she doesn't even qualify as wife number two. They have to actually be married. So the Gemara they responded to Mekade, Shuvakines, he was fully married to this woman. So it says the Gemara, if that's true, Elameata, Arusa Lotis maybe we should say that there's no Yibum when a man is engaged halakhically to a woman. Maybe we should say there's no Yibum because she's only in Arusa and she's not a full wife. Says the Gemara, no, Hachutza, Lerabo said to Arusa. Your Svar is very good, but we have a Pasuk to include an Arusa by Yibum. But yes, otherwise we should assume that we would have assumed in logic without a Pasuk to include it. We would have assumed in logic that Yibum wouldn't apply if there was an engagement only. To be clear, when we talk about engagement, we don't mean the modern day version of engagement where, uh, you know, the proposal of here, here's a, a ring. That ring is halachically very, ex it's, it's expensive, but it's halakhically insignificant. The ring with which people get married is the, the band that has no stones in it. You can do the etching on the inside if you want. There's a shayla, what is it considered etched and find all of that. But we, that's the ring, harat mikudesh asli. So the halacha is that when a woman gets married for the first phase of, um, of Averson, she gets the ring and then she's considered halakhically married. So that, that's phase one, but they don't do Sheva Brachos. That was the Minog back in the day. They would do part one of their halakhic engagement. Then they get married a year later. So here, what we're talking about is a woman who was engaged and who was not yet married. Tanu Rabbanan, the five lines from the bottom of Gimel on the base. Kohen Gadol Makriv, Onein Ve'eno Ochel. 
a Kohen Gadol who lost an immediate family member, and that family member has yet to be buried. So the, the, the Kohen Gadol is in the category of, of the halacha category of, of called an Onein. So the halacha is, according to the Tanakhama, he's makrib Onein ve'eno ochel. He's allowed to still do the hakrava, but he's not allowed to eat meat. An Onein is restricted from eating meat. During Shiva, you're allowed to eat meat. Uh, when we sat Shiva, someone brought us over like a whole huge thing, a skirt steak and uh, hot dogs and hamburgers, like it was a hush of a meal. But during Aninus, that's not allowed. So says the Gemara, that's part one of the bright stuff. Part two, Rabbi Huda Omer, kol hayom. What does that mean all day? So the Gemara says, I don't know what you mean. My kol hayom. When Rabbi Huda says kol hayom, what does he mean, kol hayom? So Amar Raba. Rabba is of the opinion as follows. Rabba is of the opinion that what this means is that when the Onin is in his house, the Kohen is in his house, we drag him out of his house to go do the Avodah. Take a look at Rashi. Eight, nine lines from the bottom of the page. Inner margin. We tell the Kohen who's Be'aninus, get out of your house. I know it's hard. Get out of your house. Come do the avoda and finishes off Rashi. During your aninus, you should be osik and hakrava. So that's the recommendation number one of what Rabbi Yehuda meant when he said kol hayom that it means that we force the owning out of his house and into the mikdash. Absolutely not. No. Rabbi Yehuda wasn't telling the coin to come into the Mikdash. He would kick the coin out of the Mikdash. Where do we see this from? The exact opposite of Rabbi Yehuda. So it's a theory within Rabbi Yehuda. It's the Tanya, the Brites writes. Let's say there was a coin who was doing the Avodah and he heard that an immediate family member passes away. Now he's an Oni. What does it say? We kick him out. We tell him, you're an Oni now. Get out of the Mikdash. That's so the exact opposite of what we saw in the Brites a few lines ago. And his counterpart and the, the dissenting opinion, Rabbi Yossi Omer Yigmor, he's allowed to finish the Avodah. So it says the Gemara, Rabba, how can you say that Rabbi Huda says that we're, we, uh, we, we take the Onin and bring him to the Mikdash? We said over here, we kick him out. Ella, therefore, Rabba gives another understanding of Rabbi Huda. Ella, Amar Rabba, Michael Hayom, turning to the top of Yadal and Madal, Lomar Sheino Ove Kol Hayom, Zer Shemayochal. What it means, Kol Hayom, is that we don't allow him to be there, Kol Hayom. It's a bit of a strange language. It doesn't mean Kol Hayom. It means he can't be there, Kol Hayom, because we're afraid that he may end up inadvertently eating the meat, but he's an Onain and he's not allowed to eat the meat. So it seems that there's a Dendarabanan that we don't allow the Onain to. Um, we don't allow the Onin to be uh, obeyed all day. He knows he's not supposed to eat meat, but we're afraid that he might eat meat. So, how can you say that? That maybe the Onin is going to eat meat? That's not. What did we learn in our Mishnah? What did we say in our Mishnah? Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda was of the opinion, against the Rabbanon, Rabbi Huda was of the opinion that one is obligated to set aside to find the second wife for the Kohen Gadol, lest she pass away. And what would happen? Let's just play it out. And if this wife dies, so what's the halacha? He still does the avoda. We don't see over there in our Mishnah. We don't see that the Onain is not allowed to do the Avodah. We worked out our Mishnah on Shabbos. Here's what we said. Two wives. If wife number one dies, he has wife number two. Wife number two dies, he has wife number one. Does it say anywhere she should stop the Avodah? So why are you saying that on Yom Kippur and the Avodah of Yom Kippur that he has this concern about Gzir Hashem Yochal, but in our Mishnah, no such thing. So Amar Lei, what are you talking about? These are two totally different cases. Seven lines down on Yudal and Maralaf. says the Gemara Hatsam, Everyone knows that on Yom Kippur that you're even, even if you're an Onin, 
What are you going to do? You're going to bury the person on Yom Kippur? You're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. It's an Isser. The only Heterim and Aninus are Mitzvah Seishel Torah. So let's say that in that morning, the morning of Aninus, there's a Levaya and then the Kabura. That day, you don't put on Tzvelim, even if you finish with the, that's Machlokas and Rishonim. In the phase of Aninus, let's say that a person has, uh, is in Aninus and they, they bury their loved one in the morning of, the rest of that day, they don't put on any Tzvelim. So that's the Machlokas, Tosos, and I believe the Ramah. Machlokas and the Rishonim, are you even allowed to do a mitzvah say for the rest of that day like Tefillin? So Ladina, we pass them that you do not put on Tefillin. That if an, an Onain is an Aninus, let's say going into a, a Thursday morning, whatever it is, and the mace is buried Thursday morning, the rest of that day you don't put on Tefillin at all. So that's what the Gemara says. This is all talking about Yom Kippur. We're not concerned about an Onain eating on Yom Kippur. And Hacha, in our, in our case, what we're talking about is during the seven days of Afrashna, the Kuli Alma Achle, everyone's eating. There we are concerned. So that's why we have two different cases of review. The one where he shows a concern of Gzer Shemiyochal. We're afraid he might eat because the context is where it's not Yom Kippur. And another case where he is Gozer Gzer Shemiyochal because it is, it, it is uh, where is it? It's the other way. But there's a concern of Gzer Shemiyochal when it's not Yom Kippur. And there's no concern of Gzer Shemiyochal when it is Yom Kippur. So that's how the Gemara uh, answers up the stira, the seeming stira within Rav Yehuda. Asks the Gemara three lines before the Mishnah. Oh, wait a second. Remember, yesterday we spoke about this at length. How does it work when his wife dies? Is he an Aninus? No. No. Everyone had a retroactive get. That was the way the whole Mishnah was structured. And we spent so much time yesterday with all of the details. He's not an Onin, Bichlau. So why are you saying that he's Be'aninus? He's not an Onin because the way he said, if wife number one dies, Lemafreya, she was really divorced, and the other wife is my wife. So the wife who dies cannot put him into Aninus because oh, that sounds non-emotional. But the fact is halakhically that he's not an Onin because the retroactive get made her not his wife when she died, retroactively. So therefore, there's no Aninus. Vahamigarsha, he divorced her. Answers the Gemara, and this brings us to the mission. You're right. You're absolutely right. On that day, uh, he will not be an Onin because halakhically it has to be an immediate family member. And divorce severs the bond between the husband and the wife. And therefore, there is no aninus for the husband under those circumstances. However, while it's true that there's no aninus, a true day milo mitra, asks the Gemara rhetorically. Okay, yeah, halakhically, it's true that the retroactive get severs the marriage. It's a, a get crisis. Of course, it separates them. However, you're going to say he's not distracted from his avoda. So therefore, if you would say, push him into the mikdash, just make sure he doesn't eat anything. But then you have to ask the question, which the Gemara does not deal with. Why can't he eat anything? I don't know name. Okay, so the Gemara doesn't answer that question. What? No, no, no. We're talking about the other case, not the Yom Kippur. Yeah, for sure that, right? New Mishnah. All seven days that the Kohen is Hafrasha, the seven days prior to Yom Kippur, he does all of the things that he normally would do, and he brings Sektoros, and he prepares the Neros, he brings Korbanos. And all the other days, he can bring every korban he wants to bring. He always gets first choice. He always has first choice. If you want to do a particular shrita uh, or zrika, he always gets to have first choice. Opens the Gemara, Mantana. Who is the author of our Mishnah? Answers the Gemara. This is answer number one. Answer number one will take us to the top of the next page. So it's one lengthy answer to say that our Mishnah is not like Rabbi Akiva. This is the answer of Rabbi Akiva. And on the top of the next page, we'll see an answer from Abayit. So Rebbe that says, the local Rebbe Akiva. Our Mishnah cannot be like Rebbe Akiva. Where's the conflict between Rebbe Akiva and our Mishnah? Do Rebbe Akiva ha'amar tahor shanaf la'alav hazah So we know that the in order for the Kohen to do the avoda, he had to have zirika of the mechatas. 
right? He had to get the, the sprinkling of the paraduma. But if he did the sprinkling of the paraduma, well, then what happens to him if he's tahor? So he becomes tummy according to Rabbi Akiva. And that can't be our Mishnah because he's doing it every single day. It's just a precursor to the actual avoda. But we still do the mechatas. It says more, hechi avid avoda, the tanya. What does the Brisa teach us? tahor al That's what the Pasuk says. That he will sprinkle sprinkle the tahor onto the tame. Alatame tahor, tahor This is a well-known shita within Paraduma that if a person who is tahor gets sprinkled, they become tame. And if a person who's tame gets sprinkled, then they become tahor. It, it always reverses your status. But you should just know that's not across the board. That's only the shita of Rabbi Akiva. Because look at the next line. No, no, you misread the Pasuk. When the Pasuk says, says the Chachamim, all that we're saying is that we have to make sure that the Mechatas is spread on, is sprinkled onto someone who's Mechabal Tuma. If something is not Mechabal Tuma, then it has no effect. That's what the Pasuk means. And the Chachamim and Rabbi Akiva argue about this Pasuk. So ask the Gemara. Halfway down, Yudal Damaralif, Maihi, what is shot in the sheet of the Chachamim? Says the Gemara, Kiditznat. Take, take a look at this Mishnah. Let's say that a person takes the, uh, the, uh, the Ezo, he dips it into the Mechatat, and his intention is to sprinkle an animal. Now, animals are not Makabal Tuma. There's no Nida, there's no Tumas Mace, there's no Tuma by an animal when they're alive. They can become Tame when they're dead, but the animals don't become Tame when they're alive. So this guy didn't know what he was talking about. So he took this uh, Azov, he dips it into the Mechatas, and he really was intending on, intending on sprinkling an animal who's not Makabal Tuma. He's the Al Ha'adam, and instead he sprinkled a person. So it says the Gemara in the Mishnah here, halfway down, even if there's more liquid, Left over it within the branches of the Azov, you have to redip again, Yeshana, because your intentions were wrong. Your intentions were to do something you couldn't do, which was to use the mechatas on an animal who's not makabal tuma. But the reverse is different. Because he sprinkled something. The mazet, we're going to discuss that in the Gemara. Very good. Yeah, the Gemara is going to discuss the guy who does the sprinkling, because we're going to see it's fear in the Pesukim, all right here, all right here, exactly right. But the Mishnah, to explain the sheets of the Chachamim, the Mishnah writes, But if your intent when you dipped into the into the Mechatzas was to sprinkle it on a person, and then in turn you sprinkled it on an animal, then if there's still more liquid left over, then you can use it again without re-dipping, no problem, because your initial intention was for someone who is, is Mechabal Tumor, which is a human being. This is the sheet of the Chachamim. So again, Rabbi Akiva looks at the Pasuk and says, when the Pasuk says, Viza Rabbi Akiva says, I learned from here that if you take the Mechatas and you sprinkle it on a Torah person, it becomes Tami, you sprinkle it on a Tami person, it becomes Torah, always reverting. However, the Chachamim say you misunderstood. That whole Pasuk is to tell you that when you are dipping it, it has to be with intent to sprinkle someone or something that's Mechabal Tumor, unlike animals, which are not Mechabal Tumor. So that's their Machlokes. My time at Rabbi Akiva. Why is it the Rabbi Akiva decided to, to go this route of looking at, why does he say differently than Rabbi Yehuda? Why does he say that no matter what happens, you always reverse your uh, tumah? If you're tahor, you become tamid. If you're tamid, you become tahor. My time at Rabbi Akiva, two-thirds of the way down, Yodalim and Aleph says the Gemara, Nikhto Rachman, Why doesn't the Pasuk say, My al Why did you have to add in a new word? Alav is a, it's more innocuous of a word. It doesn't really have a lot of implications. It's not him. You added the word tamay. So therefore he says, my my al tamay. The Pasuk says al tamay instead of alav. Shemami no. What do we see from here? Shemami no ala tamay tahor. Ala tahor tamay. That it always will uh, invert. Whatever your status is, if you get sprinkled by mechatas, tahor becomes tamay, tamay becomes tahor. The Rabbana. 
Rabbis, how do you understand the Pasuk? Obviously, there's an extra word Tameh in the Pasuk now, because the way that the way the Rabbi Akiva framed out his Ishita is that the reason why he was pushed to say Tar becomes Tameh and Tameh becomes Tar, because the Pasuk could have said, Allah, Allah, but now it says Allah Tameh. So the Rabbanan, how do they answer? Two-thirds of the way down, they say, Like we said earlier, they're just explaining out the exegetical part of the Pasukim. How do we look at each word? When the Chachamim said they saw the word Tameh in the Pasuk, it was just to show you that a person has to be makabal tuma in order to get, in order to become uh, eligible to be used for the mechatas aval hacha. But over here, in regards to a person who um, is tahor, who is then going to become tam aval hacha kal We have a kal that says as follows: im ala tahor, and he totally blows out of the water the sheets of Rabbi Akiva. Remember, Rabbi Akiva says whoever becomes tame becomes tahor. Whoever is tame becomes tahor. Whoever is tahor becomes tame. Says that the Gemara in the name of the Rabban and the following Kalvachomer. Im al tahor. If when you sprinkle the mechatas onto a person who's tame, he becomes tahor, al hatahor lo You're being so illogical about it. Why are you assuming that there's a backwards element to the mechatas? Why does it have to take someone who's tahor and make him tame? The Kalvachomer works perfectly. If you're tame and the mechatas makes you tahor, then how in the world, if you're tahor, could it make you tame? It doesn't even make any sense. Rabbi Kiva, what do you do with that? Says the Gemara. I knew the Kamar Shlomo. What do you think Shlomo meant when he said, I wanted to become wise, but it was out of reach for me. What was he talking about? Rabbi Kiva assumes he's talking about this Paraduma, that there's a chok in regards to Paraduma that's not logical, and that would be that a person who is Tahor becomes Tameh. What do you do with the Shlomo Amelech line? Because Rabbi Kiva now has a little bit of an explanation. He says, I wanted to become wise. So what do they do with that? No, you misunderstood everything. What does it mean? The fact that the Pazik says, and where does Shlomo become confused? Because we know the Maze, and we'll see that this is going to be argued in a moment, like Michael was hinting to the Maze is the one who sprinkles. The ones who are sprinkled. What do we say? And one who touches it is Tame. He says, no. The guy who sprinkles it is not tahor. Umaze tahor? Absolutely not. Braksib, umaze Literally a pasuk in Chumash. So how can you say the guy sprinkling the, the mechatas is not going to be tame? Of course he's going to be tame. My maze, says the Gemara, must be that when we say maze, the pasuk it's referring to nogea, to actually touching the liquid, says the Gemara. That cannot be because braksib, maze, braksib, nogea. We have different psukim that, that use the words of mazen nogeya. If we have two different psukim, then mazen can't mean nogeya. How can mazen mean nogeya if there's another pasuk that speaks about actually touching the mechatas? Absolutely, it doesn't make sense. But Odin, furthermore, says the Gemara, eight, nine lines from the body of the Dalim and Aleph, and nogeya, lo kibus begadim. There's a very critical difference between mazen and between nogeya, between sprinkling, you being the sprinkler, and uh, touching the mechatas, which is kibus begadim. If a person is mazeh, then he requires his clothes to be laundered, and, he, and until Erev, they're going to be tummy. However, by nogeya, he doesn't require kibus elo. Therefore, it must be my uh, mazeh. What does it mean then, the one who sprinkles? No, say the one who carries it. If you carry it up, you're the one who carries the mechatas, you're going to become, uh, you're going to become tower. That's what the Gemara says. What you're saying is that it should be the case that, uh, that, that uh, mazeh means no say, then just write it. No, my time because it's to teach you something uh, a side point. That's to teach you that when you do haza, there is a minimum shear of liquid of the mechatas. Says the Gemara, maybe, but not according to everyone. Says the Gemara, six lines from the bottom, honey, Haza Tzricha Shir. 
That works out great for anyone who holds that hazah tzri chashir, that you do require a minimum amount for hazah to do the sprinkling. However, but according to those who say that there is no minimum, sure, you can use just a kolshu in order to, to generate tahara for a person when they're tamein. So then what are you going to say? Then you can't, then the word mazek can't come to teach us to bo'in and shir hazah. So it says the Gemara, three, four lines from the bottom. Even according to the one who says that there's no shear by the mechatas, don't worry, we can still say the same thing that we're talking about a shear anyways. Why? Because you're right. The amount of liquid that needs to touch a human being who's tame to make him tahor is a kolshu, a drop. There is no shear for that. However, even according to the shita that says that it's a kol shu to make someone tahor, two lines from the bottom, but the vessel that holds the mechatas must have a minimum amount of liquid in it. Otherwise, no dice. How much is it? What is the minimum amount of, of liquid of mechatas that needs to be in the kli in which they're going to do this? As the Gemara, as we turn to the top of Yadaladam and Beis, to make sure that the ends of the uh, of the azo, the end of the of the hyssop is able to, to, to be stuck in all the water. It can't just be like touching the bottom. All the branches have to be able to get in. So says the Gemara, we would have to we would be able to give this answer. In short, all of this basically says, remember what we started with. Who's our Mishnah like? Not like Rabbi Akiva, because Rabbi Akiva holds that the Torah becomes Tameh, and the Tameh becomes Torah. That's not possible, because we're saying that this Kohen Gadol is doing the Avod every single day, gets sprinkled before every single time, but he was Torah. Should make him Tameh? So it must be that our Mishnah is not like Rabbi Akiva. Says the Gemara, top of Yudal, on base, top line, Abai, Omar, no, I feel the Rabbi Akiva. I could come up with a way that Rabbi Akiva would even fit within our Mishnah. How so? Second line, to Avid Avoda Kula Yoma, Ulepanya, Maduale, Vitavil, Vavid Arab Shemesh. No problem. During the day, you do the avodah without any mechatas. And then at night, then you, then you get sprinkled. No problem. The next day, your tummy now. Because if you're tower and you get sprinkled your tummy, but don't worry. The next day, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, get, you'll jump in the mikvah. Everything will be fine. And then by morning, I'll be the hair of Shemesh. And then when the sun goes down, I think this actually, when it means lapanya, it doesn't mean dark. It means right before dark. They sprinkle you, you jump in the mikvah, hair of Shemesh, and then it's a very short. Uh, so basically, 20 minutes before Shkia, they sprinkle him. That's kind of what, that's what Ulupanya means, toward the, toward the night. Says the Gemara, three lines down, maybe unbeknownst to the average reader, but when, and I'm, uh, I, I missed this uh, entirely until I got to this piece of the Gemara, our Mishnah drops a very important hint. It says in this order, first you're Makter the Torah, and then you're Meti Vesaneros. To be Meti Vesaneros is to kind of take out the old wicks, take out the old, we're refreshing them, to clean them up, resetting the, menor the menorah. So it says the Gemara, Al Maktoros Bereisha Bahadur Neiros. It seems to be that the Mikdash functioned in the following order: that the Torahs first, but then, um, but then the Neiros happen afterwards. Uriminu, we have another source in the Tanaim that doesn't agree from Masechet Samed Daf Lamed. What does it say there? Mishazacha Bedishon Mizbeach Apni Mishazacha B'Menor Mishazacha B'Torahs. We see there first they give out the lottery for the Dishon Mizbeach Apni. Then they give out the lottery for the Menorah, and then the lottery for the Torahs. What do we see here? We see the Menorahs before the Torahs. So that's the stira between our Mishnah and the Mishnah and Tamid. Answer the Gemara. Don't worry, not a contradiction between Maseches Tamid and Maseches Yuma. Amar of Huna, Man Tana Tamid. Who is the author of the Mishnais of Maseches Tamid? Answer the Gemara, eight, nine lines down. Rib Shimon Isha Mitzvahu. The author of those Mishnais is Rib Shimon Isha Mitzvah, so therefore there's no problem. Of course, it's a different Shita. Over here is I, whoever our author is, which is nameless at the, under the circumstances. And that, that puts Torahs before Neros. However, in Masechet Tzamid, it's Rav, uh, it's Rav Shimon Isha Mitzvah, and he puts Neros before Torahs. No, it's Machlokes in the time. Not a big deal. 
Says the Gemara, no. I think you got it backwards, says the Gemara. The opposite should be true, that he is Dafka, not. Rav Shimon Isha Mitzvah is not the author of Masechet Samit. How does that play out? Because it's not, the Mishnah writes as follows. When the Kohen walks to the northeast corner, no same Mizrachat Tzvona. On the corner, in one throw of Zrika Saddam, he can hit both walls. The northern wall and the eastern wall. When he's on the western and southern wall, the southwest wall, no same Maravadrama Druma. He can do in one sweep, he can get the other two walls. Vitani Allah. The Brahta says about that Mishnah from a Sekhat Tamid, Ribshim and Ishamitzba Mishnah Bitamid, Mizrahis Tsvonis, no sin Mizrahat Svona, Maravis Droma is no sin Marava, Bakakakh no sin Droma. He says, no, it's different. So what do we see? That, that when there was a Mishnah that Ribshim and Hamitzba didn't agree with in Tamid, the Gemara says, and this Mishnah is not like Rib Shimon. So that shows you that the primary author of Tamid is not Rib Shimon of uh, why do I keep forgetting where he's from? So he says, that can't be it. So therefore, says the Gemara, halfway down, you're right. Who's the author of our Mishnah? It's of this Masechta. That, that makes more sense, says the Gemara. So now, says the Gemara, that is how we can figure out Masechet um, Yoma. Masechet Yoma is a problem. But that's how the Gemara answers that is that the Mishnahs of our Mishnah are written by Rav Shem and the Rami Seder Yoma Seder Yoma, we still have a contradiction to deal with. It's not. The Mishnah writes later on in the Masechta against our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said that Ketoros comes first and then Neros. Let's see what this one says. It's not. Payes Hasheni, Mishochet, Mizorek, Mimedashen, Mizbeach Apnimi, Mimedashen, Etamanora, Umimale, Varm Lekevesh. So in the second lottery, they would be pulling things out of the second lottery for all of the following tasks. Uh, to do the shrita, to do the zrika, to clean out the mizbeach, umimadashin is a menorah, to clean out the menorah, umimala evarim lekeves, and to bring up the limbs of the animal. What was the next pais? Pais hashlishi, says the Gemara, pais hashlishi chadashim lektores. Anyone who has yet to bring the ktores, bo vehafisu. You can join this lottery. If you've never brought the ktores before, now is your day. So come, stick your name in the hat, and we'll hopefully pick you. We'll see if you win. Yet, what do we see here in round two of the lottery? That was the Midashin as Hamenorah. And in round three, it was the Ketores. That's a steer to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah put Ketores before Neros. But this Mishnah, which is found later in our Masechta on Daf Kavhei, puts Menorah before Ketores, Stira, within our own Shitas, within our own camp of one of one Tana, all the same contradiction in, in regards to, um, you know, again, Shem Mitzvah. To answer the Gemara, Amar Abayi, Lokasha, this is not a problem. Kan Tavas Neros. They're talking about different things. And that is that we don't clean all seven seven eros at the same time. And if you are accustomed to saying the Abaya Hava Masadr Seder Hama Aracha in the mornings, so it, it actually speaks about this. Listen to the language. It says, Abaya Hava Masadr Seder Hama Aracha Mishmadig Marabli Abashol, according to Abashol, whose name we'll see shortly. Okay, let's get to the right place here. Um, uh, let's get to this part. Here. Here. We do five candles first. After the five candles are prepared out of the seven, then we bring the Korban Tamid. And then the other two candles. So we see clearly from this brisa, this is quoted from Yoma Daplam and Gimel more explicitly, but we're seeing hints of it here. So let's finish seeing this inside, and it will uh, we'll just jog our memory if we read this in the mornings. So let's read his answer again. 
two thirds of the way down, three fourths of the way down, Yadalatam at Bays, coming to a close for the evening. Amar Abaye, Lokasha, Kamat Tavashtenaros, Kamat Tavashkameshros. And yes, we split them. The members of Victoris Mafsiklu. You seem to say that what separates the two is the Ketores. No. But what did we just read by Abishol? That's the language that we have in our in our sitter. That it's not the Ketores, it's the Damatami that separates the five candles from the two candles. That's a machlokas in the Tanoim. How does it play out? The Tanya. So the Tanakama was of the opinion that you should uh, you should be maktir first. And Abishol says, And he reverses them. And that is exactly what we have in our sitter. So we'll stop here at my Taima and pick up tomorrow with Daf Tesvav. Um, what kind of blot is that? That's a good blot. Not too long. Okay. Wishing you all a beautiful night. Take care. No.